joining us today on episode number 194 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are talking about race paces and pacing for racing. A lot of people ask us, how do I know my training paces? How am I supposed to pace myself during a race? And there are several things you need to keep in mind if you want to pace for success in any distance race that you run. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so today we are talking about how to pace for races of various distances. Yeah, we get asked the question all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, How fast am I supposed to run at that? Or if I've been training, can I actually hold this pace for the entire race? Right, or I've been training, what am I supposed to do now that it's race time? Oh, that's a good one. Right, because that's something that you don't always know exactly what to do, right? Like you've been training and if you're a member of our training team, you do runs with different paces, different effort levels. There's a lot of different varieties. How does that actually translate into racing? And those are the questions we're going to be answering today. Yeah, because not you know, training does not exactly look the way that, uh, well, let's say you thought it was years and years ago when you were training for a 5K and you're just mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to run a 5K repeatedly as fast as I can, and that will get me faster. Right. So when I was a new runner, I did not understand this concept at all. Like Kevin was like, oh, you're going to train for a 5K. So here's your training plan. And I looked at it and there was like a four mile run and a five mile run. And I said to him, why in the world am I running more than the race that I'm currently training for? Like the 5K is only 3.1 miles. Why would I run farther than that? Why would I ever run 3.2? I believe was the (laughs) suggestion. I don't know if I ever specifically said that, but, and and then also, well, why am I running at different paces? Also, shouldn't I just keep practicing the 5k? Wouldn't I get better results if I just went out and ran a 5k every day and then just tried to make it faster each time I did it? Right. And I mean, for a while, that was like a a pretty old, old, old school training philosophy, like way back Yeah, where it was basically like, okay, if you want to run three miles as fast as you can, let's start by running like a quarter mile at that speed. And then we'll stretch it to a half mile. And mm-hmm. you gradually just keep increasing the distance without changing your speed at all. Mm-hmm. And eventually you should be able to run that distance at the speed that you're aiming for. Right. But that is not necessarily the way that we train people. Definitely not the way we train people. And pretty much not the way that most or if any coaches train people nowadays. No, no. No one really goes for that. It just it takes way too long. The body doesn't adapt appropriately with mm-hmm. that training protocol. Right. And even if it did, there's a much more efficient way to do it. Yes. Right. Like, and that's the thing that you might want to keep in mind is that there are a lot of different methods out there that work. Which one is going to be the most efficient for you as a real life runner? And I think that's the biggest thing you want to keep in mind. And we have a training system that we've created and we're going to talk about our outlook on pacing and how we like to train our athletes because we believe that this gets people the fastest results in the shortest period of time with the least risk of injury. Like keeping all of those things in mind, keeping in mind that you're a real life runner, that you have other obligations and other things in your life and you can't just dedicate 24 hours a day to your training, right? Like having all of that in mind, there are specific ways that we can think about racing, think about pacing, understand how to train in order to get the results that we want in our races and then once we get to that race to know what to do with with our pace 
Well, yeah, one of the other aspects of being a real-life runner is we have more than one race. Yeah. Like, it's not the be-all, end-all in that one yeah. single race. It's Excellent unlikely point. that there's a lot of listeners, I probably wouldn't, maybe one or two, that are vying for Olympic medals of our general listening audience. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, we're not shooting for the uh, for the Olympic gold. Yeah, I mean, but they can enjoy us, too. Of course. Yeah, because why not? So, okay, let's talk about racing and just kind of the general idea of pacing. So, if you've ever run a race, of any distance, you know the importance of pacing. That pacing strategy just changes based on the distance of the race that you're running. Right. So, I mean, there's a couple of different approaches. Like, do you go out really, really fast and then just try and hang on? Do you go out slow and try and close even faster? Mm -hmm. Do you just try and go the same pace, even pacing or even splits Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing? All sorts of different And how do you even know how to do any of that? Yes. Well, there's that. So I think that number one, you kind of have to understand what kind of a runner you tend to be first. And if you've never run a race then just go out and have fun and yes. you know what I mean like I think that that should be the first thing on your mind is go out and have fun and just see what happens you know like have a plan have something that you kind of have in mind that you would like to do but just go out there and have fun we don't usually like to counsel people on like very specific pacing strategies if it's the first time they've ever run a race this is also one of the reasons we don't really like to recommend people just jump into like a marathon that's a lot of running out there. Like, try a 5K. See how it goes. Yeah, to, like, try to figure out how to pace yourself over that distance, I think, goes much better if you have had some sort of racing experience before. Right. So if if you do a 5K and it doesn't go well, like, you take it out too fast or you take it out too slow or whatever it is, you can play with things and try it again in a couple of weeks because mm-hmm. you haven't just wrecked your body by trying to run 26 miles. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to try various marathon training strategies week after week because you just can't keep turning out 26 right so if it's your first time racing go out and just enjoy yourself you know don't worry too much about the time on the clock just go out and see where you are and then once you have that baseline once you have that time on the clock then you can work on okay now let's improve it okay let's take a look at how I ran that race did I go out really hard and go out really fast did I go out really slow or did I kind of find the right balance between that Um, is there such a thing as balance and we're going to be talking about that today Okay, so let's start out with two of the biggest things that people usually do when they start a race, right? There are a lot of people that just tend to go out right out of the gun and they just take off and they end up going so fast right at the beginning of the race and then kind of fizzle out and burn out towards the end. Yes, hobbling towards the end, sometimes throwing more walking breaks than they were planning on. I was going to run the whole thing and there they are walking halfway through. Mm -hmm. Chest is burning. They feel like they can't even catch their breath. Muscles are just aching all over the place. Muscles are sore that they didn't realize even existed. (laughs) That's never good in the first mile. No, like this is, you took it out too fast. Unless you're running a one mile race. Sure. Like, (laughs) Your legs feel like lead. It's usually the sign that you probably took it out way too fast, especially if you get any of those symptoms and you can't see the finish line. Right. And then on top of that, right, you start to feel all these physical symptoms. And then a lot of times you tend to go into this mental tailspin. Like, oh, shoot, I went too fast. Maybe you cross. Maybe you're doing a 5K and you cross the one mile mark and you look at your clock uh, um, or your watch and you're like, oh, shoot, like this is going to hurt, right? Like you, then you start thinking, I went out too fast. This is going to hurt look oh there's the pain oh there's another pain oh there's a pain that I didn't even know existed like you just said right and then you start to get into this mental tailspin 
on top of the physical pain that you're already experiencing. And then it just kind of downward spirals from there. Yeah, they're totally just going to build on each other because you told yourself, I went too fast, so it's going to hurt. So the first sign of pain is now just going to validate, oh no, this is all just going to be super painful from here on out. I'm going to need to start walking. Yeah, so let's talk about what is actually happening here in your body. So first is that you burned through all of your fast fuel systems before the slower systems fully came online, we shall say. Yes. Right? Um, So basically there are several ways that you can create, not create, but like convert energy in the body. And some of those happen when you're running at slower, more cardio paces where you have more oxygen available and they can convert. It's a slower conversion of energy. So when you're running at easier paces, that energy conversion happens. If you're running at faster paces, your body doesn't have time to really like take the time to convert all the energy. So it uses a different system to convert energy in your body. And that system has a very limited supply of fuel. Yes. Yes. It has a limited supply. It it burns fast. It burns hot. It burns efficiently. Yes. But it it runs out really, really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're trying to start a fire, pouring gasoline on the fire will make a big giant flame, but it's not going to burn for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas throwing big fat logs in the fire, it's going to take a long time for them to get burning. This is the issue. If you take it out super fast, all of your energy systems essentially start up at the same time. Mm -hmm. It just takes a lot longer for like the log to actually ignite and be burning as an actual sustainable fire. Mm -hmm. So do some of your energy energy systems, they're going, they're just not going at maximum capacity. So if you take it out so fast, you burn through your quick energy systems before the other ones are like, Hey, I'm not quite revved up yet. And now you just feel completely depleted and you're nowhere near the finish line. Right. Because your body just basically starts signaling that it's low on fuel. And then you start to feel the fatigue setting in that's caused by the byproducts of that energy conversion of the faster system because your body can't convert it and can't deal with those byproducts fast enough. And that also then interferes with the efficiency of burning the other types of fuel and the slower burning systems, right? Yeah. I I remember when I read this one off of, uh, I don't know, one of the the training books I was reading is the, the byproducts of burning energy, burning through your fuel super, super fast also inhibits the slower burning systems from even working properly. So you take it out super fast and you're like, okay, when normally I can run, I don't know, let's say five miles and I'm only running a 5K. So I'm going to take it out super, super fast because I know I can at least hang on and and run those five miles. But now you're only a mile and a half in, you're a couple of kilometers in and you're forced to walk Mm -hmm. because your energy system that's normally used to you going at a nice relaxing pace for five miles is not running optimally anymore. It's got so much other junk flowing through your bloodstream that it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm only working at 50% capacity over here. Right. And this may or may not be a major issue depending on the length of the race that you're running. I think this Excellent is point. really important to point out because if you're running a 5k and you go out way too fast and you're like, you're really hurting after that first mile, you only have two more miles to go. So it's really not that awful. Like, I mean, it's going to hurt, right? The rest of the race is going to hurt. Oh, it's hurting. You may or may not perform at your best. Like some people, this is their race strategy. Some people go out and they just, they want to go out as fast as they possibly can and then just hang on for dear life. That is the way that some people enjoy racing shorter distances. 
Now, if you are running a half marathon or a marathon, this would not be an ideal strategy because the race is so long. So if you go out and you sprint the first mile and hit like a really fast time for your mile, then you have to hang on for 25. That's not going to usually go well, right? Where you can kind of bank time if you're doing a shorter race like a 5k and kind of give yourself a little bit of a buffer on the back end you can't really buffer 25 miles if you go out you know a couple minutes ahead of pace no and there's a saying in marathon training that you you don't bank time you actually always have to pay it back and you always pay it back with interest yeah Yeah, that's a great one i mean that was that was one of my first full marathons back i ran a marathon when i was in college and the first one back I took it out and I didn't know who the other guy was and turns out I had coached against him like he was like just fresh out of college like mid 20s He was like 10 years younger than you. Yeah, 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 he was a decade younger and it was so dark I completely missed mile marker 1. So I didn't take the first mile out too fast. I took the first two out too fast and I saw the second mile marker and glanced at the watch and, and just thought, "Oh, Oh, this is going to cause some problems. And that led to the mental tailspin that quickly mm-hmm. derailed the rest of the uh, the whole race plan. Right. And this is why the physical and the mental are also so like unbelievably intertwined here, right? Because you might be feeling okay at that point. It's two miles into a marathon, totally. right? Like you can totally sustain that pace for a while. Can you sustain it for 26? That's the question. And if you think, oh no, if that's like the first thought and you start to go into that mental tailspin guess what's likely to happen in the rest of your race yeah exactly if if i had simply hit that spot and went all right i'm gonna pull back and let this guy just take off and i'm just gonna settle into a much more comfortable pace right Mm -hmm. now but instead what i did was oh god if that's how fast I hit the two mile, I wonder how fast I was going at the one mile. Oh, that one mile split had to have been so fast. Oh, this is not going to go well. Mm-hmm. I should really, really slow down. All right, forget this guy. Just let him. And I mean, I'm just, mm-hmm. I got all these thoughts all flying through my head in the span of about three seconds as we passed the, like, the blinking clock at the two mile mark. Yeah. And the sun hadn't even come up yet. And I had already basically cast off that race yeah. from going successful. You kind of like checked out of that race. Right. I mean, not that you checked out, but you were already told yourself that it was not going to go well. Yeah, I didn't check out. I mean, I still had 24 miles to go. And and I was seeing you and the girls still. But I I was... You and a girl? That was a while ago. That was a while ago. That... do you remember what you... No, that was both girls. Both girls. Yeah. Yeah, we've had both girls for all of your marathons. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, I mean, I'm still in it, I'm still focused, but I had way too many negative thoughts way too early Mm -hmm. in that race. Yeah, like, what if you would have gone through that and been like, oh, sweet, look how far ahead of pace I am. Yes, nailing it. You know, like, who knows what that would have led to then, too. Right. Right, because you don't know what it's like. At this point, there's no way of going back to to know, but that really brings up that question and hits that mental side that we always love to bring up and think about and coach our athletes on is like, the thoughts that you start to think and the stories that you start to tell yourself have a huge effect on your results and what ends up happening in any given race. Yes, exactly. All right, so that's kind of a look into going out too fast. Mm -hmm. The other side, going out too slow, which I think has even worse mental aspects than physical aspects. It depends, again, right? Like it depends on the runner, it depends on the race, it depends on the length of the race, it depends on your experience also. Right, but you're not going to get a lot of, like what I mean by more mental aspects is if you take it out too slow, Mm -hmm. you're not going to immediately be in like that hurt zone. 
Like you took it out too slow. Mm-hmm. Like your like biggest the physical hurt. The physical yeah. hurt. Your biggest obstacle at that point is the negative thoughts you're telling yourself of, oh no, I've ruined it. I've taken it out too slow. Yeah, like there's no way I'm gonna hit my my goal now because this first mile was way too slow. Right. I yeah. feel like those are kind of your big things that you need to overcome when you take it out too slow. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest issues here is that you're so fixated on the numbers. Like the people who often take it out too slow or honestly too fast are the ones who are like a quarter mile into the race and already looking down at their GPS watch trying to figure out what the perfect pace is. Mm-hmm. You're a quarter mile into a race. If the race is going to go for, I don't know, over 30 minutes, knowing what your pace is at a Two minutes in is probably not super necessary. Right. So the first question is, you're too slow. If you decide that you're taking it out too slow, or if you've decided this at some point in the race, what are you comparing that to? Too slow compared to what, right? Is it too slow compared to what you want your time to be? Is it too slow to where you think you should be? Is it too slow because you see the person next to you and feel like you should be running faster than that guy or that woman? Yeah, that's a that's good. I mean, it's a lot of the comparison trap off of this one. Right, is, either to yourself or other people. Right, because you can't you can't be going too slow unless you're too too slow compared to something. Mm-hmm. It's not just too slow. Period. Right. So if you tend to take out the race slowly or more conservatively, we can say that. Right. It this is rarely a major issue if the race is fairly long. Right. Like going back to a half marathon or a marathon. Tending to, if you take it out a little bit slower at the beginning, that's usually not that big of a deal. No, usually not at all. As long as you. Definitely better set up than if you take it out way too fast. Yes. As long as you just don't overreact. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't hit a mile mark and be like, oh, wow, I'm way off of pace and decide that you're going to catch up all of that time in the next minute. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be too slow at the one mile mark in the marathon and catch it up over the next 25 miles. I'm going to catch it up right now, Mm -hmm. which I also have a marathon story for. That was Chicago. <laughs> mm. Chicago, my first marathon. I'm cruising along. I've got the guy with like the pace sign. I was trying to hit like a three hour marathon and I'm just, I'm cruising along, like nailing the pace because, you know, it's the pacer guy. So I'm going exactly with him until I hit mile nine and I needed a bathroom break. Mm. So I hit the bathroom break and I lost the pacer guy. And in an effort to try and catch back up, I'm like, all right, I'll just quickly catch back up to the pacer guy. <laughs> Next thing I know, I saw the two hours and 45 minute pacer sign. Oh, goodness. So I really overshot on on mile, like from nine to 10. I Uh mean, I blew right past the three hour guy. Oh, Lord. So then I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just hang out with the 245 guy for a while. At least he's going even splits. And then I see the three hour marathon guy go past me as I'm like standing on the side of the road. It was that one didn't end super well. Yeah. I mean, you still ran a 305. It so did, it's yes. not like you were way off pace. Here. No, but at one point I was yeah. actually sitting on the ground on the side of the road and still ran a 305. <laughs> Fair enough. Because you are very, very good. But this is the point here, right? If you do, if you take it out too slow, then. Don't overreact to and try to sprint to catch up because you might see it, find yourself sitting on the side of the road. Yes. Again, the key to both <laughs> of these stories is that you put uh, a great cheer squad all over the place, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, it's the girl that you're trying to impress or the girl that you <laughs> did actually impress and you're now married to with children. <laughs> exactly. Um, so think about what's going on in this race. So if you do tend to take it out a little bit more conservatively, ask yourself, like, are you enjoying the race? 
right? Because if you start to beat yourself up and start telling yourself that you're too slow and now you're never going to hit your time, there goes your enjoyment right out the window. 100%. How how are you actually feeling? Take a little check-in, right? If you hit that mile mark or that two-mile mark, check in with yourself. Maybe if you're doing a full marathon, maybe it's the five-mile mark and you realize that you're like a little slower than you had hoped to be. Check in. How do I feel right now? Am I enjoying myself? If so, what do I want the goal of this race to be? Yeah, because if the goal of the race is is actual enjoyment and you're currently enjoying yourself, sure, you can pick the pace up a little bit, but you don't have to freak out and stop enjoying the race. Like we talk about this all the time that like the training is what kind of transforms you and then the race itself is this celebration afterwards. So don't be a giant party pooper and just be all upset through your entire <laughs> celebration process. Yeah, don't nobody wants that. No one wants well, that. Because if, it, if you're... If you've been training for a race, even if it hasn't been for a very long time, like say it's not a marathon, say you're just running a 5K, maybe it's your first 5K though, you know? So I shouldn't say just a 5K because a 5K is awesome too. And a 5K, quite honestly, is probably one of the hardest distances to run in a, to run well because a 5k pretty much hurts the whole time if you're pushing yourself correctly yeah yeah no the 5k in i think it's prefontaine that the announcer says everybody standing here at the starting line has one thing in common pain mm-hmm. I, yep. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so you know whatever distance race you you're choosing to run understand the point of the race like are you just there having fun maybe you're there with your friends you just want to enjoy the race atmosphere if so, then does the pace really matter? Does the time on the clock really matter? I know that um, that was my goal for when I ran Napa to Sonoma. I ran yep. a half marathon from Napa to Sonoma, which was amazing. And it was a part of a girl's weekend. Like we went out for our girlfriend's birthday and we did a ton of wine tastings and, you know, all sorts of fun Napa things. And there was a half marathon also that got thrown in there and they did wine tastings in the middle of the route. And guess what? I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to take in the entire experience. So I was not concerned about my pace whatsoever. My goal was to run with my friends and have fun and enjoy the scenery and the wine along the route. And that was it. And I ended up running a great time, but it was so much, I think, because there was no pressure on me, right? So I just went out and that was my goal. My goal was not a PR. My goal was not to just go out and push myself as hard as I could. Yeah, no, you make a fantastic point there. So the entire concept of going out too fast or going out too slow is always relative to some comparison, whether it's a number in your head, Mm -hmm. somebody else in the race, like there's some point of comparison. So can you actually be too fast or too slow when the goal is simply to enjoy the process? Mm -hmm. Like you're not too fast for enjoying it. You're not going too slow to enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. Like you can simply just enjoy the whole event. Right. And so again, this goes back to what do you want to get out of this race? What is the point of this race? Are you just there to enjoy yourself and to take in the experience? Or are you trying to actually push yourself and challenge yourself and see what you're made of? And this kind of, and when we think about, you know, am I too fast? Am I too slow? It makes me think of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Like this one is too hot. This one is too cold. And this one is just right. Like, is there such thing as just right when it comes to race pacing? Like, is there that perfect pacing that you can hit that's not too fast and not too slow, but is actually just right? And it depends on what your just what what you're set up for success. Like if you're actually really trying to key in and hit a very precise number in it, you know, maybe you're going for like a, a qualifier time or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like you're trying to break four in a marathon or two 
two and a half marathon, like whatever the number is that matters to you, Mm -hmm. then sure, there are more optimal ways of racing it. Right. Uh, But it also is not necessarily just because it's, it's the scientifically proven optimal racing strategy. That doesn't mean that it's optimally proven for you because Mm -hmm. every runner is still an individual. Right. And so is there this perfect pace that you can do? Like that kind of assumes that there is this perfect range for success and that if you're in that perfect range, then you will succeed at whatever it is you're doing. But what happens a lot of times in that situation, say you go out and your goal is to hit nine minute miles so that you can break two hours in a half marathon, right? Yep. So you go out and you're just nailing it, right? You're nailing nine minute, nine minute, nine minute, and you cross the finish line and you hit your goal. You're under two hours. And then you think about it and you're like, that feels pretty good. Like I feel fine right now. I wonder if I could have gotten faster. And I think that's where the Goldilocks principle kind of has the little crack, right? That could you have gone faster? Quite possibly, right? Maybe you could have, but you won't know that because you didn't actually go out and push yourself. You were just tied to that pace. So maybe you did hit the pace. Maybe you did hit your goal. But could you have possibly gone faster? You'll never actually know. Right. So when you really carefully tie together your training and your racing, then you can kind of key in and you have a lot less of those crazy surprises where it's Mm -hmm. like, I crossed the finish line and I really think I could have gone several minutes faster. Like you might be able to be like, yeah, I might have been able to shave a few seconds off, but you're not going to question quite as much of, man, I wonder if I could take 15 minutes off if I did that race in a different pacing strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, you key in and make sure that you train so that your training is more tied into your your pacing and kind of gives a suggestion, a, a, an idea of what you're expected to be able to run. Right, but sometimes it's really nice to go out without any expectations and just kind of like see what race. happens. Right, yeah, that takes me to keep my Key West half marathon. Oh, that's a good one. Right, like, because that one, I... You know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. The weather was insane. The race got pushed back by two hours. Everything was up in the air. My goal was to run a PR. I had a pace in mind for it. And then I was just like, ah, whatever. And I just took off. And I hit the first like few miles were way ahead of pace. Like I definitely went out faster than I had anticipated. But I felt really good. There was quite the tailwind for the first few miles also. Well, there was just a lot of wind, period, that day. Um, And I just was feeling really good. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with it. And going back to that mental side of things, I could have freaked out and been like, oh, shoot, this is not going to go well. I better slow down. And I had that thought, like when I hit the mile two, my split was like 8.08. And I was shooting for like an 8.45. So I was like way ahead of pace. And I was like... Ooh, should I slow down? And I was like, mm, I feel good. Let's just see what happens, right? So there are ways that you can just kind of check in with yourself during the race and then kind of make a decision in the moment, you know? Um, and I think that the more you race and the better you've trained and the longer you've trained, the more you know yourself, you can make more of those like in the moment decisions, right? Because sometimes we tell people don't make any decisions in the moment. It's not a good idea. Just stick with the strategy that you came up with before the race, that's what you should do. And then there are times where, you know, maybe it's time to play a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the really fun aspects of coaching some of the kids through high school when they're freshmen and they have no clue what they're doing. Some of them, it's really helpful if you can give them like, all right, I'll see you at the one mile. I'll see you at the two mile. Try and be hitting these times. Mm -hmm. And then we'll 
like key off of like try and stay with this person in the race yeah by the time they get to seniors like if they've really been practicing and training and they're focused and when they race they like after the race they'll talk about it they'll think mm-hmm. about it it's not just like i don't know i guess i ran a race i'll move on with my life now like our our senior captain on the girls side this year when she hit regionals there was no racing strategy like it was like you're going to go out there and push as hard as you can to make sure that you can win it. Here's some people that you might want to key in on. Here are a couple of suggestions of things that may show up in the race. But honestly, you're really good at racing. So just go out there and race. Mm-hmm. And there was no numbers in any of the conversation. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. And when you're racing at that level, it does kind of get different, right? Because it's not necessarily the time on the clock that matters. It's the place. Yeah, place right? mattered so much more place than the time mattered. on the clock. All right, so let's start out by talking about how to do this by thinking about train for the race that you're going to run. So what is the best way to pace a race? All right, so your major rule off this one is the longer the race, the more even splitting will benefit you. So even splits, for those of you that might be new to running or new to racing, means that you're hitting the same mile time each mile. So if you are running a 5k and um, there's that's 3.1 miles, you're basically trying to hit the same pace for mile one, two, and three. So if you're hitting mile one at nine minutes, then you're hitting mile two at 18, then you're hitting mile three at 27. Right. And if you're outside of the US and you work in kilometers, it actually divides out even better because it's a 5k and it's not 3.1 miles. <laughs> so your division works way, way nicer. There you go. Okay. So the, the longer the race, the more even your split should be. So if you're running a marathon, you should try to make your splits, your miles as close to each other as possible. Right. And there's been some some quality research done on this by um, one of the top U.S. marathon runners, Jared Ward, mm-hmm. who actually has his own lab and research on this. When he qualified for the U.S. Olympic team, his first half and second half uh, like within the trials were within it like two seconds of each other. Like he just perfectly even split mm-hmm. and it was just like, well, that's, that's the optimal way. That's what he had proven to himself. And part of this is because he'd done the experiments, he thoroughly believed mm-hmm. that even splitting was the best way to do it. You got other people out there that are like, actually, I really thrive on taking it out a little bit faster. And other people are like, ah, I like to be conservative on the first few miles and settle into the pace before I really start racing. Mm-hmm. He had told himself that the most optimal way to do it, and it's it's true, like there's some lab-based research on this that even splits for much longer races is the optimal way to race. Unfortunately, a lot of races don't take place within a lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it also kind of begs the question, is it is that the ideal way to pace it because he told himself that that was the ideal way to pace it versus if, you know, someone else told themselves something different, would that be the best way? Like, I think that that really keys into the idea of belief behind it, right? Like you need to believe in the strategy that you're going to choose for it to work. If you're constantly out there just questioning it, then it's just going to basically chip away at your confidence and that's going to affect the way that you're racing. So whatever strategy you decide on, Go in it with 100% confidence. Yes, yes. Go in with 100% confidence, but, you know, having a little science behind you is, is a little helpful For with sure. that. So the longer the race, the more even the splits. Um, you know, when Kipchoge broke two hours in the marathon, he did it by perfectly even mm-hmm. splits. I mean, they were keying in every 5K. I think actually every 3K they were checking in to make sure those splits were spot on. Yep. He had that, like, you know, 
flying V in front of him that were perfectly breaking when <laughs> they traded out pacers every five kilometers right. so that no one ever got tired and the pace ever slipped off. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why some of these elite races have pacers and rabbits in them so that there's people that they can go and chase after yep. because they run perfectly paced races. Right. If you are a newer racer, then we would suggest that you should start a little bit slower and then keep picking up the pace, right? So you don't want to burn out in the beginning like we talked about earlier. You want to try to be a little bit more conservative and then pick up the pace as that distance gets shorter, like as the race goes on. Right, because the last thing you want, if you're new to racing, the last thing you want to feel is the last few miles of pure agony. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, oh, if this is the first 5K you've done, you want to be that person who's running down the finish chute, like high-fiving people people and grinning from ear to ear not who's dragging themselves over the finish line saying why did I ever sign up for this right so if you are the first person the chances of you wanting to come back and do it again are much higher than if you are the second person right and we're looking for lifelong runners here so pace it pace a little conservative and realize that there's going to be more races and you can kind of fine-tune this as you continue working right and as we say you know the beginning the, the first couple of times that you race any given distance definitely the first time just use that as your baseline like okay like this is what happened this is what I did now how can I improve on that in the next race right and then for some of the shorter races um, the actual optimal and they've done this both like in a lab they've tested this and then really just kind of seeing how it actually practically plays out among like elite runners is start quick you kind of slow down a little bit in the middle and then you pick back up substantially at the end this really works out pretty much from the mile up to the 5k for elite racers mm-hmm. and it plays out if you've ever raced a 5k mm-hmm. you know that like mile two or the third and fourth kilometer are brutal inside of 5k and you tend to fade off mm-hmm. and then you're like oh there's the sign that says I've, I've hit 4k or there's the sign that i've hit the two and a half mile mark like i'm i'm good i suddenly i feel all this extra energy and i can push all the way to the finish line because you're close enough that now that energy that you kind of conserve because you were in pain you actually can push all the way through right Yeah, I think that those of us that have run the 5K have all experienced that kind of lull in the middle, both physically and mentally, right? Because it's like there's the excitement of the first mile and you're out there and you're just like excited and you go out and everybody's running and and then you kind of get in that groove, right? And then that middle mile or those middle kilometers for those of you in um, other countries, they you kind of fade off, right? The pain kind of starts to to build on you but like you said it's so funny how you get that extra wind towards the end well yeah especially if like once you can see the finish line yeah you oh all of a sudden there's like sprinters yes (laughs) yeah you gotta love that with our cross-country kids like oh it's one of those things that kind of drives us crazy as coaches drives me nuts because you know that you took it out way way too conservatively if you were at full all-out sprint Mm -hmm. for more than like the last 10 steps Mm -hmm. like don't get me wrong like when the finish line is right there especially if someone's right next to you yeah then you're gonna you're gonna give it everything you got but if it's suddenly like a quarter mile all-out sprint what have you done for the last three like (laughs) you should have run faster for the last 20 minutes and that's a really good thing for you to notice too right like if you are coming in at the end of the 5k and you just feel like you have so much energy left at the end in that like last half mile or quarter mile Think about going out faster next time, right? Then that next 5K that you run, try to take it out faster because if you have that much energy left at the end, you could probably go faster 
in the beginning and then try to just kind of hold on a little bit more, just keep pushing through that pain a little bit more um, so that you have less actually left in the tank at the end. Like it's always good to have a little bit, right? Cause you always do want to try to push that the end of any given race, I would say, you know, like I'm a, I'm a big believer in pushing the end of a race, not necessarily the end of every single run. And there are definitely yes. people that like to do that too. Yeah, and the, having that little bit, but the thing is that your body naturally, in an attempt to like keep yourself under in survival mode, survival, of yeah. making sure that there's still enough energy that you have vital functions still taking place inside your body, it stores a little bit of energy mm-hmm. always. So if someone comes up to try to pass you with like five, six steps in the race, you have fuel in there. It's just a matter of how quick can you get the energy systems going. Right. So that's kind of what you want to think about when you are deciding on how you want to pace that race. Okay. And just to recap, the longer the race, the more even splits you should have. The newer racers should aim to start slow and kind of keep picking up the pace as the race goes along. And then shorter races try to start faster. Then you kind of tend to naturally slow down in the middle and then pick it up again at the end. That's just kind of what naturally happens. It's what naturally happens, and you have to really key in that you are, in fact, picking it up Mm -hmm. at the end because you will naturally slow down in the middle. Right. The next idea we want to propose is the idea of running the race that you trained for. Yes. What does that mean? Okay, so there's train for the race that you're actually going to run, and then once you've showed up the race, run the race that you trained for. Mm -hmm. Like. If you're the kind of person that's like, okay, I'm going to evenly split this, then make sure that that's actually the strategy that you go into after someone fires the gun. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, all right, I'm going to take this out nice and comfortable so that I can evenly split and they fire the gun and suddenly you're all out sprinting. What just happened to mm-hmm. your racing strategy? Right. Or maybe the person next to you starts sprinting and you decide you're going to keep up with that person. Yes. Yes. I may have been there. Yeah. But then, the, then you're not running your race, the race that you already decided on. The one that you came up with the strategy for, you just threw it out the window right at the beginning when the the, um, starter's gun goes off. I don't know how well that's going to go. I mean, it might go, it might go great. You never know. That's like, again, what happened to me. Like this, these things have happened to us in the past and had fine results. They've also happened to us in the past and had terrible results. Right. Well, I, I shouldn't say terrible, just different. Different. Different <laughs> results. Um, Slower results. If the race goes out faster than expected, like you're in a group of people and you're like, okay, I've, I've seen these people in races before. I think I can hang with these people. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they all just go out pretty quick that day. You should be prepared to run your own race. You may end up running solo, but at least you're running the race that you're prepared for. Yeah. Like if you didn't throw in a lot of this like higher end speed, you're not really physically prepared to suddenly take it out way faster that day. Yeah, during your training cycle. Yeah. If you didn't train at that higher end speed during your training cycle, suddenly being like, yeah, I feel like race day is the time to give it a shot at this pace. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really not going to be the time. Yeah. The like op- if you've been, if you've been practicing 5k race pace then that's what you should try to go out and hit right or marathon race pace or whatever it might be right so the opposite is also true if the race goes out way slower than you expected like you're you were going to be with a group of your friends and suddenly everybody that you were going to group up with they've decided that it's going to be a much more relaxing oh we're just going to like take it real comfortable today and you showed up fully intending to race Mm -hmm. you also may end up slow solo but 
you're still going to be able to run the race that you actually prepared for. Right. And I think we've all probably been in that situation unless you're with your toe on the starting line where you kind of find yourself in the pack and then the race starts going and you you want to start running, but the crowd that you are in the middle of isn't running fast enough, right? Like, and then you have to kind of start weaving through people and that slows you down. And then you start to get frustrated because you're trying to get around people. And then you have the walkers that are in front of you. Like, come on. Like if you are a walker, stroller? <laughs> if you are a walker, if you have a stroller, please start at the back. Like, and that's not to say anything bad about those walkers. I'm glad that they're, they're there. But if you're going to walk, you should be at the back of the race so that you can let the runners and people that want to race and actually run get up ahead and not have to weave in and out, right? Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with the walkers. No, I love the walkers. They're fantastic. And run walkers, great. Position yourself appropriately at the starting line so that you're with a crowd of who you're supposed to be. And if you're a stroller runner... Really just carefully check and make sure strollers are actually allowed in that race. Well, and it's this, yeah, definitely. But the same thing goes for you if you're a runner. Like if you are running a 5K and say you're shooting for a 10-minute pace, that's fantastic, but your toe should not be on the line. Good point. Right? Like let the, the people that are trying to win the race that are trying to run 15, 16, 17, 18-minute, you know, for the 5K – their toes should be on the, the line. You know, if you're trying to run your best time, that's fantastic. But a lot of these races are chip times now, which is great yep. because it doesn't matter when they fire the gun. It's your time starts when you cross the line, when you cross the starting line. Right. As if it's a gun time, that's a different story. Right. As long, so the goal here is then to be moving briskly by the time you actually cross the starting line. Right. So sometimes the congestion breaks down just by the race opening up over the mm-hmm. first 10 seconds of the crowd kind of thinning out. Yeah. So if the crowd does slow you down in that opening mile as you kind of are trying to weave through and try to find your place, again, don't freak out about it. Don't think that you have to sprint in order to make anything up or anything like that. Just don't panic and just continue to run the race that you've trained for. Right. A a, a slowdown for the opening couple of minutes is not going to be fixed by sprinting around the crowd. I've seen this yeah. way too often with the freshmen on our cross-country team. They got bogged down and suddenly I see them and I yell like, come on, get out of that group and go. And suddenly they're at full sprint mm-hmm. because get out of the group and go. I meant slide towards the left and just gradually start picking up the pace. And they interpreted it as full sprint for the next 30 seconds. Yeah, sometimes they'll cross by and I'll be like, go catch up to your teammate, you know, like, and they'll just take off right then. I'm like, nope, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was aiming for. But yeah, you have to be clear. I have to be (laughs) clear sometimes. Those are the things we learn with coaching, right? Okay, so how do we prepare for a race? How do we prepare to run these different paces? How do we even know what these paces feel like in our body so that when we get to race day, we can even attempt to do any of these things. Like, how do we even know? What's too fast? What's too slow? What is Goldilocks? What should I even be aiming for here? One of the biggest keys here is training at a whole wide variety of paces, like a wide variety, spending most of your time in the easy world, Mm -hmm. but training at all sorts of different paces. You know, when we get some newer runners to us, we give them like the three major paces that, that we like to shoot them at. Like, what's your, find your level two out of 10 and five out of 10 and eight out of 10. But as you keep training and getting more and more, um, 
like kind of experience of running and finding these levels, train it as many different pace levels as you can figure out and get a feeling for mm-hmm. what they all feel like. Right, exactly. We like to tell everybody to spend the majority of their time running easy, but then that 20% of your time, right, we like to go close to the 80-20 principle. It's not exact, but, you know, 80% easy and 20% at different paces. That 20% can be all over the place, right? And it should be at different paces. Like sometimes you should be spending some time at like a level six and five, like a moderate pace. Sometimes you should be spending time at a really high end, like a, an L8 or an L9. Sometimes you want to be at more of a steady pace, like a level three, four. And once you start to experiment with these different paces in your training and in your training schedule, then your body starts to kind of learn what they feel like a little bit better. So then on race day, when you say, you know, if you're on our training team, we'll tell you, you know, this is the level that you should start at. You should kind of be here. This is how it should feel. You're like, okay, I know what that feels like. I've done that kind of a run before. Yes. I've done that kind of a run. I've ha- I have the experience there, mm-hmm. right? So you want to have a whole wide variety of paces. The variety is key that you have all of this experience that you can pay in, like play back on when it's, it's race day. You're like, oh, I've experienced these different things balancing all the paces is not necessary. Yeah. Like just because there's 10 paces does not mean you break your training into 10% at each of them. You want to spend the overwhelming majority of your time at easy paces just because of the physical benefits you get Mm -hmm. from that. Right. But then again, depending on the length of the race that you're running, the time that you're spending at different paces outside of easy should vary, right? Like if you're training for a marathon, you're not going to be spending a ton of time doing like level eight, nine, and 10 types of runs. You should spend a little bit of time there, but you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time there. You should be spending more time down in the like L three to five range. Yes. Because you want to make sure that you've got that like moderate effort that you can sustain for a long period of time. time, Right. And this is kind of what takes us to the idea of like training, you know, figuring out a training schedule is both a science, but also it's an art, right? Like there is definitely science behind it. And all of the training plans that we create are backed by science, by are backed by the best science that we can find in this area. And there is so much research out there in some respects but in other respects there's really not a lot right so there is some good information and more research is continuing to emerge but it is this art and like Kevin said before on the podcast about how a lot of times running coaches like elite running coaches have just trained their athletes and figured out ways to train them and then the science tries to figure out why that works yes yes right? like and, and there that's kind of what the art comes in here that's where the art comes in there's so many advances in coaching because a coach decided to play essentially to color outside the lines mm-hmm. like all right this is what everybody else is doing it makes sense to me based off of like some general scientific understanding that I could try this other way of doing it and see if this is also successful. Mm -hmm. You know, throwing in some like for marathon runners, some like super high-end speed and just see what happens with that guy. and Because it makes sense that building up the power and the strength of that kind of runner would then make running at an easier pace actually use even less energy because their muscles got built up so much. And it, 
it's an experiment. You kind of have to like go into the whole training philosophy of this is this is a bit of an experiment. Just because it worked for runner A does not mean it's going to work for runner B. Just because it worked for runner A last cycle does not mean it's going to work again on this cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's an experiment. Give it a shot. Have some reasoning to why it works and then just enjoy it. Yeah, and it also goes back to the idea that pacing is not everything, right? Your entire training should be not just a plan but a whole system and that's what we've created is like our real life runners training system because so much more affects your race outcomes than just your training paces you could go out there and you could hit amazing training paces but if your nutrition is off and you haven't slept well and you haven't been doing your strength training and mobility work and all the other things that play into your system as a whole you're probably not going to be able to get the same results like the best results that you are capable of because you've only been focusing on the paces that's why when we train our runners we like to train mind body and skills because they all three of them really work together and that's like how we you know talked about earlier how the mental aspect can completely shift the way that that race is run you know if you get into a a mental headspace that is either positive or negative Right. I mean, to go all the way back to, well, can't I just train for a 5K by running a 5K as fast as I can over and over again? I mean, it's theoretically, sure, as long as you believe that's really going to work and then you take care of all the rest of it, like your nutrition's on point, your sleep's on point, you're doing the strength training, you're doing all the other stuff. The the training plan there are more optimum ones there are better ways than simply going out and running a 5k repeatedly as fast as you can um there's probably more entertaining ways of doing it also mm-hmm. um which is definitely plays a key role in training is making sure that you actually enjoy the process yeah are you having fun yeah but there's more than simply the the running to a training plan also mm-hmm. exactly so do you need to do speed play if your race is very long like oh. This is another a good question that we get, like going back to our paces. Yeah, especially people are like, okay, well, I'm running a marathon. Do I really need to be doing any of this like higher end speed stuff? Shouldn't I just focus on running longer and longer and longer? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and there are some coaches out there that tell you to do that. Totally, yeah. and it's it's completely possible. And and I would argue I came up with this metaphor. I see how you you like this one. Sure, you can totally train for a marathon without speed play. Mm-hmm. You can also eat a piece of pie without putting whipped cream on it. You can? Uh, Yeah, you can. (laughs) I'm just not sure it's as enjoyable. Not for me. Everybody (laughs) that's ever eaten pie with me understands the amount of whipped cream that I like on my pie. Right, which is why we work well together. Especially depending on what kind of pie it is. Very true. I don't know if that really matters for me. No, No, probably not. I really just like whipped cream. Yes, you do. (laughs) So yeah, so it might just work, right? Like if you just go out and run at an easy pace and just continue to increase the distance that could work um but it's also a lot more fun to do some of the other stuff and it's a lot more effective for most people it's a lot more effective for most people um this comes up a lot when you really start stretching the distance to things like ultras and stuff and i don't think we have a lot of of people listening that go into the super long stuff but you hear that we're getting more and more you hear that a lot on ultras is should i put speed play if i'm training to run 50 miles like basically it's just an endurance battle of will Mm -hmm. does it matter if i got my strides in this week i think it does i would argue yes also Because I think that running faster 
will help to increase your power. That's what running fast does. Like when we put in strides for our clients, like in their training plans, or if we put in like some, some faster, shorter speed work, that is the whole point that those faster, shorter speed sessions are building strength and power and speed. So, and it's also increasing muscle recruitment. So you have more muscles, fibers firing for every step that you take. That's just going to make race pace feel even easier. Yeah. And the, the strides also help with like maintaining your cadence consistency. Like mm-hmm. if you're out on super long runs towards the end of them, you're going to start slogging along yeah. and into that like shuffle mode mm-hmm. and your cadence is no longer pretty and clean and quick and everything. Throw in some strides in there and you're back to, oh wait, I'm supposed to land nice and light on my feet and quick little steps here. It's going to help. It's also going to help maintain your range of motion. Mm-hmm. Like if you go off on a really long run you just don't get a lot of like hip lift and like your leg actually kicking back behind you and your foot kicking up towards your butt like kick in a few strides don't go crazy like you don't need to be nuts on these things but put strides in a couple of times a week Mm -hmm. just to remind your body hey you can go fast you can go through this whole range of motion it's a healthier way to train right and going back to the energy systems that we talked about earlier in the episode if you throw in some faster paced running, that's going to help to strengthen those energy systems that slow running doesn't always emphasize, right? Those faster burning energy systems, you want them working as well, even if you are doing those longer races, because if you're doing a really long race, you want all energy systems on board, right? Like oh, yeah. all systems are a go. Like Houston, are we ready? Yeah, no. In the last <laughs> few miles of a marathon, I don't care what energy systems yeah. work in. Like something, I whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. form of fuel I can still be burning, I need to burn it. Well, and when you take in fuel, when you take in those simple sugars like goos and jelly beans and whatever else you're liking to take in during the race, that's what energy system you're using. You're yep. using those faster burning energy systems. That, you know goo that you're taking and doesn't like get converted into fat and then convert from fat into energy like that doesn't happen like you need your faster energy processing system on board ready to take in that energy convert it and then give it right back to you in the form of energy and power Right. And you know, that hill that shows up at towards the back end of the marathon, Mm -hmm. like you're going to suddenly need that little boost of energy. You need to make sure that all of your systems are good to go, that you've got the strength to get up the hill in the Mm -hmm. last few miles. Like down here in Florida, everything's a pancake, but that's not true everywhere in the world. Sometimes race directors feel as though there should be hills towards the end of the race. And and you have to be prepared for those mm-hmm. and running faster and, you know, maintaining range of motion and your strength and your speed. All of that is super important. Absolutely. And then finally, what about run walking? Like how does that fit into racing and what should we do? How, how do we pace ourselves if we do a run walk system? Okay. So this, the same overall philosophy applies is I don't think you should ignore any system. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Every person, no matter what race you're aiming for, should do easy running and medium running and hard running. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's the case. It's just a matter of how much of each. So if you're run walking... You and you're training for a longer race, you should put most of your like higher intensity stuff, not the easy training, but your higher stuff, emphasize the medium efforts for your longer races. And there's a, several ways you can do this. You can either pick up the pace on your normal intervals, you can shorten the walk from your normal intervals. So if you're used to doing like a 3 1, make it a 3 30 just for a day out of the week and see Mm -hmm. how that goes. Or you can stretch the run interval instead of a three, one, make it a five, one Mm -hmm. kind of stretch that out. 
it keeps it at a medium effort. It doesn't suddenly take you all the way to like a super high intensity, but it maintains that moderate effort, which is helpful if you're training for something that's going to last for over an hour. Yeah. But if you're on the other hand, if you're training for shorter races, you want to emphasize more of the higher efforts in your training. So you want to be making sure that you're doing shorter intervals at higher speed and allowing some, you know, maybe a little bit longer of a walking break so that you get your body used to running at those higher end speeds and then when you get into the race you want to kind of go back to what your normal intervals are but you are able to then push those intervals a little bit higher make that pace a little bit higher than on like your normal training runs right so whether it's it's a longer race or a shorter race you're still doing medium you're still doing hard it's just a matter of which one is kind of more more of the emphasis of the week exactly All right, so if you are lucky enough to have an in-person race near you, let us know how it goes, all right? Try some of these strategies. Let us know which one you chose. Um, If you're in our Real Life Runners Tribe, you know, put up a post on how your race went or just shoot us an email. We would love to hear if you employed some of these strategies and how they worked out for you because that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you guys learn how to run better and enjoy the process and just keep improving as runners and as people. Yes, improve as runners and people. Just bring some joy to the running community. Bring some joy. All right, guys, so that's what we've got for you today. Hopefully that helps you figure out how you want to pace during your race reach out, let us know how it goes. If you're not following us on social media yet, we are at Real Life Runners on Instagram and over on Facebook. So make sure you follow us there. We post all sorts of great training tips every day of the week over on Instagram. We post different workouts, strength workouts, mobility workouts. We post mindset things, all the things you need to help you become a better, stronger, faster and happier runner, Um, someone that's out there able to enjoy themselves and see improvement in the process. So as always, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 194. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.